1: I'm Beth White, your host this morning. And today we are coming to you from the Chicago area from the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship. We have today, we're going to be talking about um, racial issues in Chicago and the Black Catholic Initiative. And first up, we have Clarissa Alhentera, (laughs) if I say it right. Um, And Clarissa is from the Office of Lifelong Formation. Good morning, Clarissa.
2: Good morning, Beth. How are you? Good.
1: Did I say your last name right? I don't use your last name much. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you do. It's also weird because I'm on the other side. Usually I'm, I'm in your seat. So this yeah. is what it's like to be on, on the other end of, of a radio program.
1: There you go. So welcome. Yes, you must hear her on other uh, the, another Wednesday during the <laughs> month, right? Yes.
2: Yeah, there's, you know, all of us are, yeah, part of the Wednesday crowd.
1: So we're going to change seats at one point, right? Yes. So Clarissa is, um, she is a colleague, and she has, um, I I, I want you to speak a little bit about this year and what this has been for you in terms of um, the um, racial awakening, as it were, that we've been going through this past year.
2: Wow, that's. I love that you, you know, you cut, you cut right through the <laughs> Uh You know, that's really interesting because here well, we are. Well, because I could
1: give your title, but that doesn't really have anything to do with the no, topic yeah. that we're talking about today.
2: Uh, I, it's, so we're, it's April. Um, yes. And we are, uh, it, it's really been quite a year. I mean, yes. April in a sense is, you know, a, a lot of us are familiar with how the summer's events unfolded with, um, the killing of George Floyd, yes. uh, the racial unrest that has proceeded in our country, but also and we're in the know, midst the of the trial is,
1: now, right? So yes, yeah, yeah we're mm-hmm. definitely in
2: the midst of the trial, but also, um, you know, as a Filipino American, I think one of the things that I've witnessed, you know, just in the Asian American community, is the amount of Asian American violence that has has yes. also been occurring, and so I think you know to sit on this side, thinking about what the year has been like, I think, you know, for ministers, especially ministers of color in this space, it's really been a year. It's been an eye-opening year as we've become aware, just fully aware, both as a society and I think as a church, as to, you know, how we are called individually to respond, you know, what does it mean to support different communities, especially if that's not a community we identify with, but also, you know, through who we are as disciples, you know, what is it, how is our personal call? You know, we talk a lot about conversion and transformation, especially in the context of um, the racial justice journey. And so if we're called as a disciple to kind of transform and be part of the solution and be part of the healing, you know, how are we responding, both as a, as part of our families and who we are? And so it's been, it's been a year of learning. It's been a year of struggle. It's been a year of, You know, pain, especially I I believe in some communities, but it's also been a year of thinking. You know, more inclusively, like the church has to be part of the solution, and and let's start to think of our role in that.
1: So, on a personal level, I know you, Clarissa, and I know that you um, you are married to a black man, and so therefore you have a child who is both Filipino and African American, right? Yes, yeah. And so that has brought those two worlds together for you in a very particular way. Um, I, I, She has a very robust Twitter account, and she mentioned that when a lot of the violence had um, broken through recently, she was just thinking about her mom um, and as um, an Asian-American and, and what she would have to go through. So this has been really personal for you as well, hasn't it?
2: Yes, it's, it's been personal, I think. Yeah, both in the work that I, I do, but also in how, in how my husband and I live. You know, yes. we live on the southwest side of Chicago in a mostly mm-hmm. um, a definitely diverse neighborhood. And so we think about our neighbors But I, who are, you know, in this neighborhood. There are a number of Asian-Americans who are my neighbors. But I think uh, during the week of Holy Week, there was an attack on a um, 65-year-old mother, mm. a Filipino-American mom who was headed to services during Holy Week and you know, brutally attacked in the middle of the day and I think that definitely hit me at a core of like, that's my mom, that's my auntie, that's, yeah. you know, every Filipino American elder I know on the Monday of Holy Week looking for God's grace's first thing. And so that's that that is also where some of the pain is of as a Filipino American woman um, living in, you know, uh, living among other Asian American neighbors. I definitely think about, you know, how you know what does this look like in our families, but also like just the pain of you know experiencing the the collective trauma and the collective violence that you know that has been happening throughout our nation over mm-hmm. you know even before uh, some of the anti Asian violence began occurring. Um, probably most you know in in the more recent months but if we think back to the beginning of the coronavirus oh, absolutely the language and, and yes and the language and the hatred you know especially if yep. they're definitely here in Chicago mm-hmm. um, and so I think of that too when we talk about yeah. some of the racial racial injustice of like what is you know if we if we take the different lenses so it's been very personal it's been very been hard my husband and I talk a lot about um, how we as parents want to we're very lucky that we belong to a parish that we do talk a lot about um, racial justice issues both with other families but also like the parish is kind of leading in that way and so we we feel very I think this time has really drawn us closer to our parish because the people who look like us are also experiencing that that same pain and that same that same anger um, that you know is often associated with some of this so Clarissa
1: um, is a minister in the church, and uh, she um, has also turned, <clears throat> excuse me, all of that um, that pain and sadness into action. And so, you were invited to teach a class this semester, this summer, right?
2: Yes, yeah this this coming July, uh, I will be teaching a one unit week long class at the Boston College School of Theology and Ministry. It's exciting. Um, uh, Yes, yeah. It, it, it's really great when your alma mater reaches out and says, would you, like to, would you like to do this? And so I'm honored to be teaching that. But the class is Anti-Racist Ministry in a Catholic Context. And when they asked me to teach this class, it was probably late summer, early fall.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And yeah. so we were a couple months out of you know a lot of the racial unrest that had kind of really bubbled up. And I was really giving a lot of thought of, like, well, how, how would this really look like in a very practical setting? I think some of it was, you know, I, I look at the other Catholic speakers who are talking a lot about this, and I think about Father Brian Massingale, Dr. Tina Well Pratt, Shannon D. Williams, um, and I'm thinking, wow, I mean, this is like such a great topic and a, a way to engage in this work, and, you know, how does my voice also help? The context where we are in terms of Chicago, the Midwest, but also, you know, how does my my voice as an Asian American woman also kind of lend its expertise and its wisdom into this conversation? And so so definitely, I'm going to oh, interrupt go you
1: because we have to yeah. go to a commercial break, um, but we will uh, hold tight to that thought. And we'll be right back.
3: are often the unsung heroes in a family. Right now, many mothers are also the disproportionate victims of the COVID-19 pandemic. They've experienced higher rates of infection and more job losses. They've had to navigate their children learning remotely while caring for older relatives and struggling to put food on the table. What better way to honor the mothers in our lives, those living and deceased, than with a contribution in your mother's name to Catholic Charities' 2021 Mother's Day appeal? Our mothers were the first to teach us about compassion and community. They were the first to show us what love and caring for someone else is all about. Help us help local moms and children who are struggling this year. Please give generously at catholiccharities.net.
2: Hey, it's Timothy Johnston here from Liturgy Training Publications. Over the past few months, I'm sure you've found yourself at home more, whether it's working from home or watching live stream masses on Sunday mornings. As we begin adjusting to this at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things I missed the most was gathering with friends at the parish. That's why we at LTP have created this new virtual gathering series called Living the Sunday Word. We meet virtually on Thursday evenings each week and reflect on the upcoming Sunday readings. And with that, we share stories to help us more fully reflect on the Word of God. I'm inviting each of you to join us, a group of friends meeting virtually from all parts of the country. So visit ltp.org for more information and to register. You won't want to miss this.
4: Caring adults make all the difference in the lives of adolescents. Catholic Charities understands this and our mentorship program provides a free opportunity for youth living in Lake County to spend time, virtually, with volunteers who genuinely care about them. This program is ideal for youths age nine to 12 who may need support navigating the challenges of childhood and early adolescence. Our amazing volunteers serve as friends and role models who help youth recognize their strengths and empower them to reach their full potential. Catholic Charities conducts a thorough background check on every volunteer and our program coordinator closely monitors and supports each relationship. Mentoring is a fun after-school program that is totally different from remote learning. Virtual group sessions help youth enjoy fun activities with their peers too. We're connecting youth with great role models. Join us today. To learn more, call 312-937-3375. That's
0: 312-937-3375.
1: Welcome back to On The Way. I'm Beth White, your host this morning, and I am speaking with Clarissa Alejantera, who is from the Office for Lifelong Formation. And we're talking a little bit about this year of unrest and how Clarissa has really been able to put some energy into coming up with, at least in her part of the world, some solutions for that. So she was asked by Boston College to put together a course this summer, and we were just speaking about it before the break. So please continue, Clarissa.
2: Sure, yeah. No, thank you. Uh, So the the class title is Anti-Racist Ministry in a Catholic Context, and it's a week-long, a a kind of short week-long experience that will take uh, minister, you know, pastoral ministers, uh, you know, parish priests, people who do youth ministry, high school, maybe religion teachers, if you're interested, and really talk a little bit about you know what does it mean to look at the ways in which we do ministry from the anti-racist lens, and so it's you know examining some of the history of our uh, U.S. Catholic Church, the opportunities, uh, and the ways in which you know the bishops have uh, tried to wrestle with uh, racism and racial justice. We're going to talk a little bit about you know the self lens, like b- both as a minister, how to care for yourself in this in this work, especially if you're a minister who is uh, who identifies as a Uh, a black, indigenous person of color. And then the last part of the class, we'll really think about, you know, as the students coming into the class, you know, where in their world do they see themselves as part of the solution? And so if you're Mm. a teacher, you know, that might look at, you know, how you are instructing your students, the assignments you craft. If you're working in a pastoral context, you know, is it, you know, offering a, like a face-sharing discussion series on the USCCB letter, Open Wider Hearts, or is it something, you know, one of the things that I also wanted to talk about, um, the Pastoral Center just announced today that we are beginning a uh, novena for racial justice. Actually, it was on Monday, so... so. Or, yes. Monday. That's right, it was on Monday. What, like, when I I have a two-year-old...
1: I know, time blends. uh, Time
2: is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what day it is or what time it is most of the day, but so the Pastoral uh, pastoral Center just announced that they're doing this um, nine-day novena for racial justice, and yeah. I think, so if you work in the diocesan context, you know, there are resources where, you know, is this something that you would like to bring, you know, to your diocese, you know, something mm-hmm. that you can do on that platform or even your parish setting, and so there yeah. are, different ways in which I'm going to be challenging people um, to think about what does this look like in their world. So you also locally um,
1: are working with a group of folks. um, You put together um, with some other folks a couple committees here in the diocese on um, anti-racism and racial justice, right? Um, Yeah. A diocesan level um, for inside the pastoral center, and then also one that actually looks more outward within the diocese itself. Am I right in
2: that? Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So could you talk uh, so a little uh, bit about that? Yeah, so this past summer, uh, so we were really taking the, the lead of the Office of Catholic Schools. They started back in July of 2020, and they started to gather a number of people, um, both internally who worked in the Catholic Schools office um, and then principals who were outside, and they started to talk about, you know, what, what would this look like? Because Cardinal Supich's um, letter that he wrote Uh, at the beginning of the summer, really talked about racial healing. And so Mm -hmm. how are we as individuals and as a diocese really going to be, you know, wrestling with that healing? And so the the Catholic schools kind of took the first part. And in working with them, I realized that there needed to be a a parish component, you know, kind of engaging youth ministers and catechetical leaders and catechists and liturgical ministers and kind of all those people, social justice uh, folks, too. And then um, what I what I think is so telling, especially when we talk about Renew My Church and, and, the, and the the idea of renewal is that, you know, a lot of that renewal, like we as a pastoral center have to engage in it. How do we model, you know, that renewal, renewal? but also how do we model that transformation? Yeah. And so I started really giving some thought to myself and others, thinking about, you know, how do we do this internally until so we, we created the um, what's called the racial justice circle. And so there's probably about 20 people from across the pastoral center every nice. and someone from, like, legal, lifelong formation. We've got someone from your team, evangelization, really sitting at the table thinking, you know, how do we want to engage in these conversations? And I think um, some of this is also in partnership with the Office for Human Dignity and Solidarity and Dr. Angela Swain. Mm-hmm. And so it's also really great that we, as co-DPVM, you know, office colleagues have really been thinking across the organization to think about, you know, how do we want to elevate this conversation and and build it together, you know, um, in that way? Yeah,
5: yeah.
1: And I'm just really grateful for um, all the work that you've been doing. I I know for evangelization, um, you know, this is the Office for Evangelization show— And this is critical for evangelization because it's critical for us to create these um, places. um, When we talk about hospitality, we don't mean coffee and donuts. We mean spaces where people belong, and there's inclusivity, and there is um, um, the beauty and all of our diversity as a Catholic with a small C church, right? Yes, yeah. In the importance yeah. of creating these, um, recognizing what our brothers and sisters have gone through, continue to go through, is a critical part of the healing as well, isn't it?
2: It is. That very much is part of the inclusivity. And, yeah. you know, how, you know, when we think about the communities that we are attracted to, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's our parish community or different groups in, you know, in our cities where we belong, we think about, what are some of the things we have in common? You know, how do I feel welcome and how do I um, work to ensure not only that people who look like me have their voices heard, but that I could also be part of that conversation and, you know, in this case, in that, in that healing and that transformation.
1: And many of our communities through the Renew My Church process are unifying and in, in, there's a lot of diversity in that unification and so mm-hmm. uh, a lot of this work is important for that as well because you'll have communities coming together from diff- different ethnic traditions language traditions um, and um, and so that's a really important part of this process as well have you been looking into some of that
3: as well
2: we have. I mean, I think it's it's really early, especially yeah. in the process is both mm-hmm. the internal group and the, the. so we've got the racial justice circle and our outward facing group is the DPVM task force. So we've both only met like once um, yeah, because okay. we started probably at, at the beginning of the year, but that is something that a couple of our members, you know, have kind of brought to the table of like, you know, how, how can we begin to address this? And what does this look like in, in that sense of renewal? And even in talking with, uh, exchanging emails with the Vicar General, um, Bishop Casey. You know he's he's very supportive in that sense of helping the parishes move through this process of renewal together, but also not forgetting that racial justice is such a big piece of that. Excellent.
1: So, if someone wants to take your class, is it open to anyone?
2: It's open to anyone. Uh, it's a one-unit class. Not a lot of homework. There is a little bit of reading, <laughs> but not a lot. Um, you can actually find information. Uh, You can go into Google and and enter, you know, Boston College School of Theology and Ministry. But if you wanted to kind of sign up for the class, um, it is uh, under the uh, academics and then summer session. And then you can kind of scroll down and there's information to register and um, all that stuff. And if you wanted to find if you're someone who works for the pastoral center or not pastoral center work in our parishes, um, there was there are messages being sent out about our novena. And so feel yeah, free to, to join on to
1: that as well. And you can start the novena at any time. I and mean, obviously we're gathered oh, yeah. together, but you totally. can start it at any yeah. time if you've missed a few days of it. Um, I also, we will, if you send me the link, Clarissa, we'll include it on the our um, space on the radio and TV website so that the link is there. And we'll put it in our newsletter as well. Okay. Sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. And um, just really grateful for all the work you're doing and all the passion you have around this topic. I, I personally know Clarissa. She's a dear friend. And I've watched her. Um, this has become a part of uh, her new identity, right, Clarissa?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true, Beth. Oh, right. it thank looks so like much. we have a few
1: more minutes, Clarissa. I've, oh, I messed okay, yeah. up. I thought he was telling me break, and he wasn't. He was saying we had some more time to talk. <laughs>
2: sure, yeah. Well, I think, so one of the things I really wanted to, No! no if you hear a two-year-old in the Oh, no, there's a
1: two-year-old. This is working from home in 2021.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think some of this, you know, my husband and I, um, we attend a parish that was affected. Uh, I don't know if, for those of you who are following, but, you know, Mercy Hospital was on the closing block not too yeah. long ago, and I think, you know, one of the ways which we wanted to respond out of our community, both our parish community and our local community, was to think about, you know, how do we set an example for our son? You know, like, if we are working for justice in some way, you know, how do we how do we teach him to, you know, justice, or racial justice is, you know, you can look at it through any lens, and so both as a parish perspective, as a parent, um, and then even as a child, as we're talking about this at our kitchen table of, you know, well so what does this mean? How are our neighbors gonna be affected by this closure? And thankfully it's open and they found a buyer and oh, just kind oh, of a wow, happy that's to that story. So um, Mercy
1: Hospital is on the south side of Chicago and it was mm-hmm. has been there forever and it seems and it was um on the chopping block to close and um, just so that for our listeners who may not know the story behind that and um, that would have left gosh a, a real desert for um, health care yeah. in that community that is in such um, need of support anyway um, and so you you um, your parish and your community helped to bring that about so.
2: so we were working, what's great about, you know, the way in which we look at discipleship and evangelization in the Catholic Church, is like, how are we working with others, our neighbors? And so we reached out to, uh, we had a small committee within our small parish um, that was working, but we also worked with a number of community organizations who were kind of leading that charge. And so we really got to be part of this movement, but also just a witness to the Catholic Church in this way of, you know, we would show up and we're like, this is our parish. We, you know, we distribute communion to the people at the hospital. You know, we feed people through our food pantry. And like every time we got up, we just, you know, we talked about that impact and, and we really spoke from a place of knowing. And I think that helps people recognize that, yes, there is a church in this neighborhood and yes, the church cares for, you know, the least, the vulnerable, the forgotten, you know, all of that. And so...
1: And it's not um, it's not lost on anyone that the hospital's name is Mercy Hospital, and um, yeah,
2: yes, yeah, yeah. The Sisters of Mercy helped found the hospital a number of years ago, and I forget. And it was the first Catholic hospital uh, in in the city of Chicago, and so its mission really is is, is Catholic centered and Catholic driven, um, and Catholic served. I know that you know with the sale, they are kind of changing changing ownership and and some of that, but I think, you know, the parish that I belong to, St. James on Wabash, you know, is still very, you know, much part of that conversation, but also making sure that the pastoral needs you know, the patients who need them. Um, you know, we can still come, give comedians, say, you know, be witness, all that good stuff.
1: So if for our listeners, they can take the class, they can get involved in the novena, but are there anything what else could we do to help educate ourselves to um It was interesting, um, you know, having um, someone was mentioning that they were watching mass at the Vatican uh, and it's American um, or over in Rome and it's American um, parish over there. And they were they were praying to end gun violence in the United States. And she said she was really struck by that because she's not sure of how many parishes in this diocese pray for that. Mm. And so what which was just. Fascinating. So, what are some things that we could do as individuals or in our parishes to really start thinking about this topic and do something like you have?
2: I think one of the like one of the ways that's definitely accessible to us as church people is, uh, you know, the U- U.S. bishops have had a number of documents. Their mm-hmm. latest being um, "Open Wide Our Hearts." It has a, a really great study guide, uh, so people can think about, you know, how they might utilize that in adult faith formation spaces, um, and think about, you know, what that looks like. I know, um, like one of the great books that I've read uh, recently is, even though it's about 10 years old, you know, Racial Justice in the Catholic Church by Father Brian Massingale, and it's definitely a read, but it does, it really does walk you through um, just the different. Places and the different ways in which you know we can continue to change and transform, and also you know talk about the hurt that that's the that has been included in some of this pain and this history. Um, I think another good place that I've used um, that we kind of took the racial justice novena from uh, IgnatianSolidarity.net. Um, it is an organization that does a lot of social justice uh, issues, but they do have. The Racial Justice Novena template is there, but they also have like a 21-day lesson where you could kind of read things for the next 21 days and really think about, you know, how to navigate those conversations. I mean, if people want to do more book reading, I mean, someone that I uh, definitely have listened to, Dr. Ibram X. Kendi out of Boston University and uh, how to be an anti-racist, he's someone who, you know, from the secular aspect has. Talks a lot about this, and he's someone. If you follow social media, he's definitely um, a good place to start.
1: I was watching um, a television show the other last week or something, and they were having a dialogue about racial issues. And I'm going to get the language wrong, so please correct me. But they were saying it. It's one thing to say I personally am not racist, but it's another thing to say that I'm working in to. Um, is it to be an anti-racist? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. So that you're actually actively doing something and recognizing that the structures are here and that we need to actively be doing something to not just not be racist ourselves, but that we have a responsibility as Catholics in particular to do something to bring about this, uh, an end to
2: this. Yes, yeah. So he the yeah, that's a, that's a really great like, way to talk about, because the anti-racist journey is, uh, one of the things that Dr. Kendi talks about is, like, there's three different spheres. So it is, like, kind of the fear, you know, like, I'm, I'm afraid to make a mistake, I'm afraid to get it wrong, I'm just mm-hmm. very comfortable in where I am, you know. And then there's, there's learning, and then there's growth. And so learning is, you know, reading books, attending virtual talks, you know, maybe mm-hmm. in the case of, you know, if you're a Catholic context, praying the novena, you know, reading the the, the document, Open wider Hearts, just as a starting point and mm-hmm. starting to identify, you know, where you want to move into. And then the last stage is like, this is just part of your life. You know, much like yep. we talk about evangelization and discipleship, you know, like you can't just, I mean, you could, yeah, like where you talk about your faith, like you have, to, in, you have to invest and you have to engage. And so if you really want this to be part of your ethos and part of your life, well, this you know, maybe if you read a book a year or maybe, you know, you do the novena as part of your, you know, I know we're still in the Easter season, but maybe it becomes part of, you know, Lent and Advent and Easter and all those places that we think about. And I think some of this anti-racist journey is like you identify where you are and, you know, call, call yourself to that accountability, but also realize that, you know, much like the Lord calls us to so much more, it's like, well, I could be more, like I could be part of the solution, I could be part of the, the healing, and so how do I want to grow into that next space
1: well thank you so much for your time today and thank you to your son for sharing you with us this morning (laughs) um and thank you for all your hard work we really appreciate it and um so to learn more uh, we will have some information on the website so that you can find those links thank you so much clarissa
2: okay take care bye-bye bye-bye
4: Catholic Charity's After Supper Visions program offers guests of our Tuesday night supper the opportunity to learn the art of photography. These talented guests who are often experiencing homelessness are offered disposable digital cameras and they work with volunteer professional photographers to learn the basics of taking photos. Then the artists go out and capture images on film of anything they find to be beautiful or interesting in the world. Their photos are amazing. Visit aftersuppervisions.com to learn more about the artists and their artwork. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, too. At After Supper Visions, we are developing film, talent, and hope.
1: The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit CatholicCemeteryChicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.
3: Catholic Charities Schreiber Center for Human Services is now open in Round Lake. Due to the pandemic, we are limited in the number of in-person programs that we currently can provide. However, a food pantry is open twice a week and a Wednesday night supper is held with to-go meals every week. A wide range of senior services are now offered as well. If we can assist you or someone you know, please call us at 847-546-5733. That's 847-546-5733. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you.
1: Welcome back to On The Way. This is Beth White, your host from the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship. So thank you very much for joining us for this conversation this morning. So we have up next Cliff Barber. And Cliff is the Chief Strategy Officer for Renew My Church, and he's the Director of the Black Catholic Initiative. So good morning, Cliff.
5: Good morning, Beth. How are you?
1: Good. Thank you so much for joining us. We just had Clarissa Alejandra on um, and she was talking about some of the Racial Justice and Anti-Racism Undertakings of the Archdiocese, and a class that she's teaching this summer at Boston College. Um, So uh, very exciting. So we thought, um, as a part of this conversation, it made a lot of sense to have Cliff come talk from the perspective of what's been going on on the South Side in terms of Renew My Church, and then also the Black Catholic Initiative. So Mm -hmm. how about we just go ahead and start where you want to start?
5: Yeah, well, thanks for, first of all, thanks for having Absolutely. me. Beth. You know, I, I got up this morning and uh, I don't know why, but it just, it came to my mind as I was thinking about what I might talk to you about. The, the theme of beauty for ashes came to mind. That famous quote from Isaiah uh, chapter 61, just uh, beautiful quote of, of kind of, and thinking about our transition from Lent where we mm-hmm. wore ashes and, um, and uh, on our foreheads, but also too, we were, we were in repentance. But then, with the, with Easter and the Risen Christ, is the uh, the prospect of beauty, and uh, that is the transition we're in. In the Black Catholic community, we've mm. had um, we've had a lot of darkness, a lot of death uh, in the Black community, largely, but also too in the Black Catholic community with our parishes. Really, over decades, and certainly through my church, we've had closings, we've had unifications. The whole uh, landscape of the Black Catholic uh, community. Has dramatically changed since we began Renew My Church uh, over five years ago. So, just and, uh, for, that is um, let put me a brief on our community.
1: Let me just put some context here as you talk about this. Um, so, through the Renew My Church process for our listeners, there is a decisions and discernment um, component where communities get together and they look at their demographics and all of the realities of the geography in which they live, and they come up with some decisions. And then that's obviously um, the ultimate decision is the Cardinal, but it's affirmed to the Cardinal. And then on the other side of that, we move into spiritual renewal. And so I believe all but just one grouping have been completed, or are there two groupings? But the overwhelming majority of the Black Catholic churches have got to the point of decision, correct?
5: That's correct. Through the structural part that you alluded to.
1: And so we're at this moment in time where there is a lot of grief and a lot of reality of that, what has happened in terms of the unifications. And so it's kind of a lot of um, Good Friday going on right now with maybe some Holy Saturday waiting to see what happens next. Um, So do you want to talk a little bit about that?
5: Yes, and uh, you're right. Uh, You know, we think about that the paschal mystery, as you just talked about, and and we are with all that change that's happened in the community. uh, Since Renew My Church started around 2017, and actually, uh, one Black Catholic grouping was one of the pilot groupings Mm -hmm. that that went forward. And since then, as you said, most of the groupings have proceeded through and have decisions. Uh, And almost every single one of those decisions, in fact, every single one has resulted in uh, some loss, a loss of parishes. But also, certainly for all the Renew My Church groupings, loss of the way of life that people were accustomed to. And that's just hurtful. And, uh, you know, it's a death. Uh, when I started Beth, my first day, I've been in this job for three years. Uh, my second day was to go to a grouping that included my childhood parish of St. Albi, which was part of a grouping with two other parishes uh, that subsequently have closed. And I remember sitting in the pews and Bishop Perry was there speaking. And tears came to my own eyes because something that I had grown up with was definitely going to be changed, Mm -hmm. and uh, many of the people there felt like a funeral. So we are grieving. Uh, We are watching uh, the death of something, but we know through our Catholic faith, our Catholic beliefs, that uh, there will be the rising and the beauty that comes from the ashes, and that's what we're looking forward to at this juncture now where most of the groupings have proceeded through the structural.
1: And so Renew My Church, because you are the chief strategy officer—I just had to look down and read your title—people um, think it's all about the closing, but it's not, is it?
5: No, it isn't, and uh, the structural is really just the beginning. We always refer to the story of St. Francis himself, who uh, heard uh, famously Jesus tell him to rebuild his church, to rebuild my church— And, uh, you know, St. Francis responded at first like we are with the structural, but it turned out that he came to realize that it was much more about a spiritual renewal of uh, Jesus' church. And um, for us, we're making a pit stop uh, to do the structural changes. It may not seem like that because it has been long and hurtful, uh, but it's only just the beginning of the renewal. The renewal is truly meant to be a spiritual renewal, a reawakening uh, of our faith and our community and a bringing back of people. Uh, into the spiritual life and the full life of the sacramental life of the Catholic Church,
1: and so our listeners know that I'm the director for evangelization, and evangelization is a critical part of the renewal process um, for the Renew My Church. And we, when we look at other, when we've looked at other places around the country, they might have gone through the structural changing, but they didn't lean immediately into the spiritual renewal component. And so I think that that is our hope, is that if we can lean into that part and really put a lot of energy into the spiritual renewal, that we won't be closing churches again um, in short order the way that some of the dioceses have. Is that what we're that's,
5: banking on? That's right, Beth. And, you know, it's, it's a realization that uh, we, you know, like all of us in our own homes, we need a financial basis, a structure mm-hmm. to kind of so we can live every day and make sure that the heat can come on and that we're warm enough and that we can eat. But actually, uh, that is just the basis, so that we can go out and be on mission. And as we're learning, as uh, in our daily scriptures now, it's so beautiful in the lectionary, our readings, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. Those early apostles, they didn't they didn't have big buildings. They just no, when they, they were didn't. they were inspired by the the risen Christ, and they went out and 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 spread the good news. Uh, we do have big buildings that cost money, and we have to make sure that we can care for those buildings properly. So that we can do the mission like those early apostles, and you talked about in your office, that is what we're called to do, uh, is is to be on mission, uh, to go out into the world and make disciples. But we have to make sure we have our house in order, and that's why we have to start with the structural, and as you alluded to, some other diocese kind of did the structural and and stopped, Mm -hmm. and maybe said, oh, we'll get to the renewal later, but, you know, if we stopped with the structural Um, we may just have to come right back to this again. Uh, You know, we're only going to avoid this problem of of having to close and shrink uh, when we're able to grow uh, the the Church properly, and that comes through spiritual renewal. And
1: sometimes um, the Scripture tells us that you have to prune in order to bear new fruit, right? So that you actually—because— As we know in agriculture, if the vine isn't producing, it's actually drawing from the actual health of the roots. And so it's really important to sometimes, um, as hard as that is, the pruning can actually bring about some new life. And um, I know my mom would always in the spring when she was alive, she would like cut back all these houseplants and it would freak me out. And then you'd see this like incredible growth come from them the next spring. Right. And it's like, whoa, and they would get thicker and stronger and more beautiful. And uh, so so tell me a little bit about what's on the horizon with the Black Catholic Initiative, or maybe just speak to our listeners about what the Black Catholic Initiative is first.
5: Right, that's a great question, and it's been a little different in its history, uh, the Black Catholic Initiative, but is one of the ethnic ministries of Mm -hmm. the Archdiocese of Chicago. There's one for other ethnic communities as well, and each one is a little different. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mainly what they're meant to do, or what these ethnic ministries are meant to do, is to preserve uh, and enhance what is unique about uh, the spirituality of of each of our—some of the unique ethnic communities in our diocese. And for the Black Catholic Initiative, that would be the primary goal: is to unify Black Catholics wherever they might be, Uh, whether they're in a specifically Black Catholic parish, which is predominantly Black, or whether they're a Black Catholic that's uh, out uh, dispersed in in the diocese. Whether they're from an African descent or African American or Haitian, all these different beautiful uh, spirituality, uh, Catholic spiritualities, coming together, and is to preserve and enhance those really to build unity. Uh, there's a lot we do. We know that part of our Catholic faith is our uh, is our focus on community and, and how we are one uh, unified community. And so this is the main purpose is to unify and to build up the uh, community of black Catholics across the diocese.
1: So I you said something pretty important there that I just want to call out, is that I think sometimes um, we can, just like in the Latino community, we can do the broad strokes of, oh, Latinos, oh, black Catholics, but the reality is black Catholics is very diverse. So we have people from all all kinds of countries from Africa in this diocese, as well as African American Catholics, and their 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 experience of church is very different, isn't it?
5: That's correct, and the uh, Afro-Caribbeans, and so uh, oh, the beauty of us, it's really so like the, uh, you know, uh, across the United States is... Is the fact that we can we can we can appreciate each other's differences, and uh, but also too uh, we can build on those and grow together, and that's what the Black Catholic Initiative uh, we're just relaunching this year. Our goal is really to try to connect all those different variations in a way that we found some commonality, but we celebrate the differences, the differences. and that's always a difficult thing. It isn't always, that? It uh, we try is. to do that across our diverse city, but we're trying to in this little microcosm of just. Black Catholics trying to do the same thing and make sure that we uphold our differences, but find our commonality. And you know, there's only about uh, two, uh, three hundred, uh, sorry, uh, about six million Black Catholics. Um, uh, sorry, six thousand Black Catholics. If we have six million, we'll be there soon if we keep working on missionary stuff. But. Um, but we've got about uh, 6,000 black Catholics, uh, and, and among those, uh, kind of a smaller amount that actually attend Mass. So it's a relatively small group, uh, but very active, very faithful, and uh, we're stronger when we come together, because when you start to get uh, a small number like that that's fragmented across the city, we end up not able to, to do as much as we could and let, if, if we were brought together. Mm-hmm. So one of the big objectives of the BCI's Black Catholic Initiative this year is to bring the 6,000 or so black Catholics together and with the hope that we can be stronger together.
1: So we're going to take a break right now, and when we come Mm -hmm. back, let's talk a little bit about some of the ways that you're going to bring um, the black Catholic community together to be stronger and to do some initiatives.
5: Sure, great. Thanks, Beth. (laughs)
3: Mothers are often the unsung heroes in a family. Right now, many mothers are also the disproportionate victims of the COVID-19 pandemic. They've experienced higher rates of infection and more job losses. They've had to navigate their children learning remotely while caring for older relatives and struggling to put food on the table. What better way to honor the mothers in our lives, those living and deceased, than with a contribution in your mother's name to Catholic Charities' 2021 Mother's Day appeal? Our mothers were the first to teach us about compassion and community. They were the first to show us what love and caring for someone else is all about. Help us help local moms and children who are struggling this year. Please give generously at catholiccharities.net.
0: Hello, I'm Cardinal Blaise Cupich. I got my COVID-19 vaccination and you should too. It took just a few seconds and was painless. The Food and Drug Administration determined the new vaccines are safe and effective. And the Holy See, as well as the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, has concluded getting the COVID-19 vaccine is an act of love of our neighbor and part of our more responsibility for the common good. We have lived with the pandemic for many months and I know we're all getting tired of it. Vaccination is one of the most important ways you can protect your health and the lives of those you love and help bring the pandemic under control. When it is your turn, I urge you to be vaccinated. And remember to do your part by wearing a mask, washing your hands, and watching your distance. Thank you, and God bless you all.
1: Welcome back to On The Way. This is Beth White, your host this morning, and we are speaking with Cliff Barber, who is the Chief Strategy Officer for Renew My Church and the Director of the Black Catholic Initiative. And we're sort of talking about how these two roles have come together at this particular moment with the... The ending of the decision and discernment in the black Catholic community, um, that does not mean the, bl- the traditional black Catholic churches, which are predominantly um, made up of black Catholics versus the black Catholics who are all over the diocese. So mm-hmm. uh, bringing those two roles together. So what are some of the things that you're looking outward to do to bring about renewal within the community and, and bringing the community together?
5: So a great question, Beth, and one thing, just as you talked about that, you know, the story of black Catholics is, is a group on the move. Uh, black Catholics arrived. I mean, there were always some black Catholics mm-hmm. in the city of Chicago, but a, a large group of us came here through the Great Migration, and right. we ended up in kind of these identifiable areas in Chicago. So you could go, oh, there's where they are, or here's where we are. Um, but, you know, that over time, just like everything else, it's, it's changed. The demographics in the city have changed a lot, and so there's been a lot of dispersion. And so we have, we do have still have some pockets where you can go. Oh, well, that's where we are. But more, uh, more often than not, we're dispersed across the whole city. And uh, one of the things this pandemic has shown is that we can, we can more easily connect. Uh, physically, it's sometimes hard for us all to connect. That's six thousand that I talked about earlier, that are mm-hmm. roughly the mass attending Catholics. But with technology, we can connect more effectively. So one of the first goals of the Black Catholic Initiative. Uh, this year, really, as we come out of the pandemic, is to make sure that we're connecting people virtually, uh, meaning that we have uh, kind of a virtual community that we can uphold and, and, and develop and grow where people are. We kind of know what their interests are, and we feel that that will allow us to, to achieve this goal of unification and also to uh, connecting people more effectively in a, in a broader community than just the parish that they belong to, mm-hmm. uh, as I talked about earlier. So that's a number, that's one big goal for this year.
1: That's the great gift of the pandemic, um, in my opinion, is we've all had this very fast learning curve With technology Mm -hmm. and the ability to use Zoom and all kinds uh, of—and Teams and all kinds of things. So that's wonderful. Right, right.
5: Mm -hmm. And then another one, Beth, on top of that is is once we're connected, is is really just being much more intentional about our prayer for renewal. Mm. You know, if you look at, uh, you know, again, looking at these stories we're hearing of the early apostles, they were always filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we want to intentionally call for the Holy Spirit. You know, renewal is not going to just happen just because, you know, we just sit here— We have to call upon the Holy Spirit to be filled with that. And so one is, are are we praying for—first of all, do we believe it's going to happen? You know, faith is is believing in things we can't see. Do we really believe that renewal can happen? We've had a lot of death and a lot of uh, change in our communities, but do we really believe that there can be beauty that comes from the ashes? And then the second thing is, can we all pray together? And so Mm -hmm. if we're connected more effectively— What we want to do secondly is then make sure that we're having intentional prayer for renewal um, that we're encouraging our own individual prayer for renewal our group prayer for renewal but also our community larger community prayer for renewal because we know that this renewal comes from the holy spirit uh, and uh, we we have to ask for that we have to pray for that and it will happen and we have to believe that
1: so as as your as you're looking towards this, I, I want to acknowledge with you that the black Catholic community, especially the the um, black Catholic churches, a lot of them were formed from the reality of the existing racism that they endured when they came in the Great Migration. And so, and that isn't that, there are people who are living today that encountered that. And so now with the the closing of churches, and this isn't the first time on the South Side there's been closing of churches. And so mm-hmm. how, are, how are you as the Black Catholic Initiative um, sort of leaning into that specifically for the Black Catholic churches that have been the ones that have, um, you know, been closing and had some of the most pain
4: Yeah,
5: I think, you know, what we're trying to do is uh, there is extra accompaniment. We do have an accompaniment team within our Renew My Church team that's spending a lot of time making sure that there is additional prayer and gathering together Mm -hmm. where people can um, open their hearts and and really express the grief that is deep felt uh, through generations uh, of closures and also to ill treatment of black Catholics and feeling marginalized. We also are about going to put uh, have for the pastors particularly to come together, uh, pastors and deacons, we're going to bring them together to really help, uh, and the Cardinal will be with us, uh, this is going to happen on May 12th, uh, to really uh, lean into what has happened in the past and try to seek uh, some common ground and understanding of how we forgive one another for mm. the real hurts that have happened mm-hmm. uh, across the diet. It's not always at the hands of our current leadership. But they are there, and we yeah. have to atone for those in some very specific ways.
1: Yeah, and and so what is your so in all of this? I hear in you a great deal of hope. I know Cliff well as well, and um, and it, I know that you have a passion for this work, and there's a great deal of hope in you. And wh- where does that come from? And why are you driven to this to this effort?
5: You know. Uh... The hope, uh, you know, I know the source of it is Christ. There's a story that someone told me uh, once of a, of a slave woman who was uh, working in the fields, and her master uh, came out and said, Well, why are you out there singing in the field like that? I, I've told you I want you to just work hard, and you're supposed to be sort of cutting up the crops and doing all this. I don't expect you out there to be joyful and singing. And he was angry with her for being happy. And so he went out, and she said, You know, my joy comes from inside. It comes from Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, he actually got angry with her, and, and he and her. I mean, he, um, he, um, he abused her more, uh, but still she kept singing, and she was still joyful in the midst of all the hurts that she took. And he didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, my joy, and I think the source of joy uh, that has really come to the history of, of our Black community, starting with uh, you know, coming out of slavery and some of the great music that came out of that was, uh, was a group of people, my ancestors, who could be joyful even in the midst of great hardship. And so for myself, that's where my joy comes from, is really harking back to my ancestors. And I think for all of us, what we're trying to do is find that same sort of steeliness, that inside joy that came in the midst of hardship uh, here again, uh, because uh, Christ calls us to, to do that. Uh, he did that in the, when He carried our, our sins on the cross, uh, leading in mm-hmm. Calvary, and, and he calls us to die a, a similar death, but also experience a rising. And that's what the hope is that I have. And I know that I want to hope uh, through the community that we can all enjoy together.
1: So for our listeners, we spoke at the first half of the show about the difference between being not racist and being anti-racist, meaning that you actively do some things in your own life to lean into not being racist. We, we can each not be racist, but it's, it's more than that. As Catholics, we're called to bring justice to that and to be aware that all lives are of—all of our brothers and sisters in Christ are—we're all equal in God's eyes, mm-hmm. and we're all brothers and sisters. And so are there some things that you might suggest to our listeners that they could do um, to learn more about Black Catholic tradition, about Black Catholic um, um, experience?
5: Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that, uh, well, increasingly we're going to the, the website uh, for the Black Catholic Initiative will be relaunched uh, in, in early May. And what it's going to be is a resource for those from around the country as well as uh, here in the city. So I would oh, encourage excellent. people in a month or so to uh, tune into a, a newly configured website we're working on right now. Um uh, but also, too, uh, there are, you know, increase, there, there was a study done of all black churches that was uh, released by Pew in, yeah. uh, in February, and there have been a lot of books and features on, on TV. I would encourage all of, uh, all, of, you know, all of us who are in the black community or outside of it to understand, um, uh, to, to delve into that information and to understand it better, because it helps us understand one another when we understand each other's history. When we're ignorant of history, we're ignorant of each other in some very profound ways. So um, I just would encourage that during this period.
1: There was a special on PBS, right, that was uh, the Black right. Catholic Experience. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact name of it, but it was something that just took through. And that's what's interesting to me, is that especially in the African-American Black Catholic Experience, there is such ecumenical work that's being done because the, everyone works together, and mm-hmm. uh, there's something beautiful for that in, in terms of evangelization because we're not, we're not competing. We're actually all trying to build the communities together. So,
5: I, I think that's right. And, uh, and then you also asked about the, you know, practically what we can do, and I think all of us know uh, that you know, racism has persisted for decades yes. and years, and many of us have in our own lives have tried to work against it. Uh, But, you know, where things happening can spark is right in our own lives. And I think most of us to try to be good listeners and also to be understanding of where people are and to make sure that we're also are eradicating ourselves of our own prejudices because we all have them. We do. Um, We're human. And I think that is we're human. Right. And I think that is for our country is realization that it starts with us. And we always want to point to the other person, the other group but just start with us and making sure that we have ourselves in, in a good place before we go out and try to change others. Right. So I just would encourage that. It's something that I think about every day for myself uh, with my own prejudices and my own um, misunderstandings about the other uh, is making sure that I'm um, working on myself first before I, I go out and try to change others or the world. And and that's the way that we really will see change, I think.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for being with us um, this morning, Cliff, to talk about this important subject. And we will be sure to, once your website is launched, we'll be sure to have a, a nice broad link um, in our newsletter as well as on our website to for our listeners to be able to hear more about that. So thank Wonderful. you so much.
5: Thank you, Beth. Have a have blessed a great week. day. You too. Thank you. Bye.